Hello and welcome to today's podcast on healthcare chaplaincy in the UK. My name is Simon Harrison and I'm delighted today that I'll be joined by a guest. So you will hear somebody else's dulcet tones. But I will start again with my typical health and safety warning, uh, my health and safety. And that's to remind people that though I work for the NHS and I also represent the College of Healthcare Chaplains, the best professional body in the world. I am not speaking on the podcast in either of those capacities, but it's my personal reflection. And indeed, I'd extend that to my guests. It's their personal reflection. So I hope you enjoy what follows. Today's podcast is focused on one of the seven dimensions of chaplaincy that uh, I have in this uh, rather cheesy notion of chaplaincy as a CRISPR enterprise, C-R-I-S-P-E-R, and it's the cultural function. Now, I'm not sure how much this is seen as a concrete part of what chaplains do, how much it's seen as a little fringe benefit, or how central, and I wonder if it varies hugely by, by region. But certainly for me, it matters in an area where I work, where there is significant cultural diversity, but very little depth, that the ability of the chaplaincy team to work with cultural issues and be mindful of them and support colleagues seems important to me. But uh, see what you think in the uh, following interview. I've um, been very lucky to have a chance to talk to um, Dr Nana Chai Bafur, who is, uh, well, I'll let him speak for himself, but I think is a very interesting voice to hear on issues of um, cultural care in chaplaincy. So let's go to the interview. So having promised that I won't always just be waffling on in my own voice in this podcast, I'm delighted today that uh, Nana is joining me and hopefully will offer perhaps a different view on some of the questions than I might if I was left to my own devices. So welcome, Nana. Can I ask you to introduce yourself? Thank you, Simon, for inviting me for this particular enterprise. Yes, uh, my name is uh, the Reverend Nana Chey Balfour. Uh, by way of faith association, I am a Pentecostal, and I belong to the Assemblies of God Great Britain. Uh, so I wear two or three hats. One, I am a local church, and then two, I am a healthcare chaplain, where I have been working for the past eighteen years. And since did you, sorry, did you say eighty years? That's a long time. Eighteen, one eight. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll forgive oh, you. Oh, it's all right. So uh, recently. Uh, part of my role has been directorship of a postgraduate certificate in healthcare chaplaincy. And my other heart is that I've been heavily involved in theological trainings where I am an associate professor of theology with Global University in the States. So that is me. Wow. Okay. Well, that gives you some credibility then with the question I'm going to ask you. Um, in one of my previous podcasts, I won't embarrass you to see if you've listened to it, I talked about how broad chaplaincy needs to be, in my opinion, how 
we need to keep looking at breadth, um, not just narrowing it down to a, a, a small idea of spiritual care or getting stuck with religion. Uh, but one dimension that I'm keen that chaplaincy delivers is cultural care, whether that be for staff or for patients or relative. And, and a broad understanding of what cultural care is. And I'm just wondering, you know, just as a starting question, um, do you agree with this notion of breadth? Is that, does that resonate with you, the notion that chaplaincy should be broad? Certainly so, it does, especially with uh, the element of spirituality. Once we speak of spirituality in healthcare chaplaincy, then it means we are we have to be ready to broaden it and not to just narrow it. So I agree with you. And the idea of that cultural element becoming part of the endeavor to broaden is very, very much uh, laudable. Good. Well, I'm glad you agree. It meant I was, you were the right person to call. Um, I just saw an advert uh, just today for a new staff wellbeing chaplain. And I was pleased to see that it included cultural awareness and cultural care as part of that advert. Do you find in your work that's a feature of what you do? Yes. You know, when we talk of culture, culture involves lots of things, including those things which actually speak of one's identity and for a very large uh, group of people identity is very much important to them it's spiritual meanwhile it is also cultural so if you are uh, put in place some pragmatic measures uh, to be able to meet their cultural needs is almost like meeting their spiritual needs so yes i agree uh, if you would uh, uh, you are aware our upcoming MA program, which is starting in um, September 2023, the title is MA in Healthcare Chaplaincy and Wellbeing, where we'll be talking a lot about cultural issues there and the way of ways of caring for the cultural needs of the uh, the people whom we serve. So can you think of times when you or colleagues, uh, and I, I'm not wanting any confidential confidentiality breaking here, but where you've been involved in offering cultural support or guidance that, that might not be so obvious to people who just thought chaplaincy was about spirituality and religion. Can you think of times when you've been brought in with that hat on, so to speak? Yes, I myself. I have been brought in severally. In those days when I was employed in the hospital where I work, I was the only black Pentecostal, I mean, and the only Pentecostal. So every uh, uh, every patient need related to the, to the Pentecostal faith, I would be called. But also I am an African person. So uh, some of the uh, patients and family needs were not necessarily faith related, but they were cultural. So yes, there have been some issue instances where I have myself have been there. And when I went there, I actually approached it culturally, 
you know, and then uh, mm -hmm. things eventually worked out well. It, it's interesting when you said about being the only, you know, the only um, black Pentecostal, it reminded me of, in my work, um, I think I'm the only um, member of our chaplaincy team that is closely related to people involved in um, hunting, as in, you know, hunting deer. Mm. Uh, and uh, in, in our rural hospital, uh, we get quite a few patients who are part of the hunting community or the rural farming community. And it's interesting that only knowing the name of some farmers is enough. Okay. Um, and just you know, when people mention Blackmore Gate or various places that are regularly part of that community, um, people's face lights up and they sort of presume that you get them. And from that cultural affinity, a lot comes. I guess the challenge there for me is what happens when I'm not there uh, and similarly for you when you're not there is there something that we can or should be doing to ensure cultural capability or competency um, as teams how do we make sure that that we're not just pigeonholed you know to someone who's a bit like us okay uh, so uh, fortunately for me there have been so many after me, we have got so many chaplains who are from the African continent and then also from the Pentecostal background. But then also what of if each one of them is not there? So uh, your question is quite relevant. Yeah, we should do something. I think we should do some more training and we should also get some materials which we can hand to the people or which will be available so that when patients or family members or staff need such, they can easily lay hands on me. So yeah, there should be something. And do you think, because I wonder um, how much we need to share cultural values or whether for most people that we work with, our, our depth of acknowledgement and reflection on the importance of our own culture in itself creates a bridge to understand that somebody may have distinctive cultures that may not match what's down on a bit of paper about them. I, I, I Do you see what I mean? I, I wonder whether that level of self-development, I can't know about every culture in the world, but I know about mine and I know what's important about it. Do you feel that's something that chaplains can and should develop? Yes. Uh... Just this afternoon, I was having a chat with my manager and we were talking along this line because within our team, we are very much culturally diverse and we are our cultural diversity is quite rich. So this year, I started what we call a master class on cultural competence, which is going to be master class lectures twice a year. I did one early this uh, year. And then uh, we're taking, we are thinking of doing another one this year. But my manager was even saying we can do it thrice and then also lift it up to CPD where we will change the varieties. We bring varieties into the delivery so that it can become something like uh, an interaction, conversations about our cultural uh, identities and things like that, which will help people to learn. You know, so yeah, so I think we should be able to do some things like that.
Thank you. Now that sounds that sounds interesting. I'm not going to offer to join your team because it's a, a long way away from Devon. Um, but I like your reflection about this interplay between identity and culture. Um, I think there's something quite important in that, isn't there, in what we do, um, acknowledging somebody's cultural roots or cultural self-identification um, and understanding that someone's identity is somehow extends beyond just themselves. Is that is that fair? Is that what you were trying to, to bring into the the understanding of culture, that it's their culture? Uh, can you ask me the question again, Mr. Harrison? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, I, I'm, you were, when you talked about culture earlier, you talked about culture and identity being very closely tied up. Mm -hmm. um, and so, culture isn't this cold, abstract thing that that you, a label you put on somebody, but it's it's the way somebody is, their identity, and how that ties in with their nationality, their family, their deep passions and so on. Is that is that you see do you see culture when chaplaincy is dealing with culture to be more personal to the individual? Yes, I do see that one one sense. Yes, I do see that and it is very, very much important to such people. So being able to uh, uh, being able to meet those their cultural needs is almost like uh, identifying yourself with them or placing a value on them. In that case, your services become valuable for them also to receive because they will find themselves as having been accepted by you. And, and so culturally assessing somebody, for you, is, is that a little bit about their, the labels they use? Or is it more about their stories, the stories they tell, what the stories they resonate, the language? How, how do you pick up somebody's culture? Or do you find that people tend to flag it to you? They give it to you on a plate. Okay. I, I try not to uh, use the word label or go closer to the word label because in many instances it is politically used or it is wrongly used and things like that so i ignore that one and rather focus on who the person is how they express themselves what they like doing what they do not like doing how they go about their things and each situation how they understand how they disseminate the information so mm -hmm. in case so in case one somebody from a particular ethnic group is sick how do they connect do they like mentioning that the name of the illness because uh, a sickness like uh, i mean a diagnosis like cancer is abomination to be mentioned in a certain in a particular culture so you've got to know all these things so that you do not mention them so it's not of a label but the way the people see themselves they carry their things the way their outlook of the world all that is around them right so so it is the story they tell but yeah. your cultural awareness helps you to listen to that story and see the the language they use or don't use and that that in itself is a is a skill a, a way of of hearing somebody's story um 
that's in that's been you're fed or you're you're shaped by the your cultural awareness is that I can think of somebody that talked to me um, that I knew was from Nigeria, and they talked about uh, having a, a fish dish. And they started talking about having fish brought over in a suitcase oh. by their friends had brought them some fish. And they wanted to talk about this fish dish. Okay. And I think it was their way of you know, I then ask them openly and, and they wanted to talk about their identity with a cuisine um, and how important this was and the friendship and the networks. Uh, yeah. And it was there. Then they could talk about their area and how, where I grew up. This was how they used to prepare this particular dish. And so it went on. And you could easily see that as, as just a polite conversation. But to me, it spoke far more about a cultural listening and a cultural need exactly so if you haven't understood the other culture this will be might seem nonsense or might seem less important to you exactly so for example this uh, fish dish i have never heard of it this is my first time of hearing it so it sounds something else in my ears but to them it might be very very connecting uh, medium a medium for connection and as the connection is, is as they are able to strike connection through that medium you might see they grow they grow and they do other things so i agree with you <laughs> good i'm glad we agree a little i know that uh, we've spoken before and we don't always agree so it's wonderful that uh, <laughs> here is somewhere where we do <laughs> I'm, I'm mindful that I promised that I'll keep these podcasts short. So uh, I wasn't going to ask you any other question, um, except for a fact, um, you, you mentioned the uh, PG Cert and the, the master's uh, course, uh, and I know a little bit about it from being involved, but is that the sort of thing whereby if somebody was in chaplaincy, they could really extend their cultural awareness. Do you think is, is something like that part of how we chaplains become more culturally diverse? Okay, we, have, we haven't done it before, but we, this is um, a new area that we are wanting to bring into it. Just like, I, mean, I, I want to say that you are very much proactive in what you are doing, because that is where we need to now extend our tentacles towards. So yes. Our, P, our program should extend to that, and that's where we are going. Okay, so I, I have to do this just to, uh, and I will do it to any guests that come onto the podcast. If somebody's interested in, in the postgraduate certificate and, or the master's courses, um, what do they look up on Google to find it? Okay, so they need to go to uh, Guy's and St. Thomas's NHS Trust website. Okay, and if they look there, they will see details of this, of the course you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yes, the website, they go there, then they go to the education and training site, and then they come to postgraduate chaplaincy education, they will find us there. Wonderful, end of advert, but I, it's only fair when you come and answer my questions that you get to uh, promote something that you're keen on, otherwise it wouldn't feel like a proper professional podcast, would it? Oh, thank you, then invite me more and more. Uh, very good to speak to you. Thank you, Nana. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
So I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. It's always good to speak to Nana about many things. And uh, we've never spoken about this in any detail. I just hoped that that he would have views, which uh, I'm glad to say that he most certainly did. And I was left following that interview just reflecting a bit on some of the other less less obvious cultural areas that we work in our chaplaincy. So I don't think we discussed the issue of farming, but uh, I'm certainly married into a farming family. And I noticed that the awareness I have that's come from that has been immensely helpful with many, many farmers over the years. And um, yeah, it's a very concrete, real cultural um, dimension. I remember being told, particularly when it came to the religious needs, for example, of farmers, that there are some that are actively religious, but many of them really don't put a great deal of store in all the ritual and and rigmarole of the organised religion. But they would very much expect the chaplain or the priest to turn up when things uh, take a bad turn. And, And that has been my experience in Devon. I don't know where you write that down. I don't know how you put that in a book, but it's certainly a cultural dimension of what we do that is helpful. So over to you. If you think that the angle that Nana took, uh, or the angle that I took, seems out of kilter with your understanding of chaplaincy, please feel free to be in touch. Um, it's um, slipperyfish at binkle, B-I-N-K-L-E dot co dot UK and just drop me an email. So now I'm going to ferret out someone to talk about spiritual care. I think that's my next target, Um, or possibly religious and ritual care. We shall see. Thanks for listening.